In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be bringing you homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God dwells in every nook and cranny. At least we try to remember that, especially when dusting. And where life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes verging on the hectic. Each week, I cajole and tempt a member of the public to join me for part of the show. I'd ply them with cakes and coffee if we weren't all things digital. But they come and chat with no bribes, and we talk about aspects of family life, which usually relates to homeschooling, and always speaks straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy. Yes, that's my English accent you're hearing. Though I've lived in the Lone Star State half my life, I can't shake the Oxford drawl. After the first break, Adele Bussinger will be joining me to share her life as a busy mum who moves a lot but has cracked the code on how to get connected with fellow homeschoolers and unschoolers in a heartbeat and stay sane even with blue hair. Can I interest you in a chocolate biscuit? Because it's time for my elevensies, a mid-morning snack taken at 11 with a nice hot cup of tea. I'm going to be bending your ears about swallowing leeches, donut holes, Vegas, and a disappointing trip. So let's get started. Happy new month. Finally, it's February. But in my experience, not for long. With only 28 days, it'll fly by. Plus, I'm ultra busy with 10 things and another. So that will make March creep up on us really quickly. But let's live for the day. Today's the 1st of February. Yay! So let's talk about the trip to Florida with my blue-eyed cowboy who bravely said, I like your blue hair, and then offered to buy me a Hemingway-esque hat. I found I forgot about the blue when I couldn't see it. Most of the time, the sunlight was too strong to spotlight it. And when my Texan snapped a great shot of me, it matched the blue sky and the sea behind me. And I looked gorgeous, so I banished it from my worry radar completely until someone commented on the colour, which they did often. One lady came over to me at the grocery store, Publix, and said, I saw you in here the other day. Yesterday, my errant night amended for her. She continued, and I thought not everyone can carry that off, but you, and here she all but grabbed both my hands and looked me straight in the eye, which is really disconcerting with a stranger. You are brave. She sighed and I tried to pry her loose. You look absolutely beautiful. I said a hasty thank you and left before blushing, except I wasn't, and said to my knight, 
She just talked to me as if I was an old lady, to which I heard nothing in response. So I finished with, I am an old lady. Silence again. I suppose he didn't hear me. Then I pulled out my iPod and browsed through the lovely pictures of the turquoise sky and sea photos again, with me looking radiant. And I decided to let him buy me the hat. The speed limit we found in the Keys is about 45 in most places, creeping up to 55 constantly on the change we found. And you know what? I just checked that information out on the Internet and it called me a liar. But I'm telling you where we were going through national parks and conservation areas. It was dawdling slow. My driver, also known as Blue-Eyed Hubs, kept looking at his speedometer and exclaiming, Blimey! Doesn't feel as though I'm doing 60, but I am. And he'd slow down. Um, but he probably didn't say blimey because he was doing the driving. I wasn't. He probably said dang. But neither of us were impressed with the keys. Is that unusual? I mean, doesn't everybody usually go, ah, oh, the keys, beautiful, idyllic, lovely place to live except in a hurricane. Well, I suppose it is if you can buy a million-dollar house with a boat to match and live on one of the man-made canals leading to the crystal turquoise water of the bay. But for the normal person, it was ho-hum. A section of strip malls for every little island, lots of untouched marshland, narrow causeways, no real beaches, and two bodies of water on either side. No village-type feel anywhere except in the historic district of Key West, where we did spend a few hours meandering. I loved Hemingway's house, my kind of place, painted yellow like my home on the back 40 here in Dallas, with windows everywhere and two complete wraparound porches. There were lots of cats inside and even more outside. He had a cat with six toes that had lots of babies. And obviously he was also a teeny weeny bit obsessed with the felines because where several dozen gathered, the word vermin started to creep into my mind. And I like cats. We went on a glass-bottomed boat for two hours to see the coral reef. 45 minutes out there, 45 minutes back, so we got 30 minutes chugging over the reef. Looking down through the glass and the rocking of the boat made me nauseous, so <clears throat> I went up on deck after a while. Then we went on the airboat through the Everglades. That was a rip-off. It was lasted about 20 minutes. I liked the hovercraft feel, but the driver kept spinning the boat around, causing sprays of brackish water to slosh all over us and squeals of laughter from the teens in the front of the boat as we all got drenched. Now, the feeding of the alligators was a different story. <clears throat> was I talking about the cats bringing the word verb into mind? Well, 250 gators is enough to have you heaving, especially when people are throwing them dead rats. Yes, it was gross. It was yucko, but it was compelling. The favorite part of the trip for me was Miami. We spent several hours on South Beach. I loved the pastel skyscrapers because they suited my hair and the cafes and small hotels and the fact that the beach and seafront could be seen and enjoyed by the locals without massive hotels blocking the view like they do in Destin. People watching is super fun and folks were walking around in their swimsuits. They were. I don't know if they were allowed to really. So there was lots of people to watch. But I think 
Dortz had a better time in Vegas. She went there while we were in the Keys, and she was working for a high-tech company that a friend worked for. The president needed two pretty girls to work their booth with them at the convention, and so she got on an all-expenses-paid trip and had so much fun, she forgot to sleep. Right, she did. She was being 21 and beautiful and managed to get spoiled into the bargain. For a laugh, I posted on my blog that it would be easier to list the things I knew she wasn't doing in Vegas rather than the things she was doing. So here are a few. She wasn't sleeping, obviously, or reading or praying in one of the chapels. She wasn't calling home or eating at the cheap food courts in some of the hotels. And she wasn't laying by the pool. Ah, to be young again. She came home and slept for most of the weekend. And I did allude to reading in there somewhere. And you know what? Reading aloud is something that all homeschoolers do. And when I first started, the books were mercifully short and easy to read and gentle on my voice. But as the children grew older, their books became longer. And I had to train myself with regular practice to read out loud for long periods of time. Sometimes books with 600 pages. Yep, 600 Some were as easy as Harry Potter. Some were difficult, like Treasure Island or Oliver Twist. Others were classical favorites, like Wind in the Willows and anything by William Penet Dubois. Some were boring, like, well, I can't remember the boring ones. The children grew up so used to listening that we even had books on tape for the van. And today, that's a preferred way of reading for my boys. Well, The reading this week at Mass was from Nehemiah, who dedicated a whole chapter to Ezra reading from Scripture to the assembly, because, of course, not everyone could read the sacred scrolls in those days. A daily dig into the Bible really does get us thinking and galvanized into action. And according to the chapter in Nehemiah, the people who listened to Ezra reading the law ate it up, discussed it, and they paid attention for seven days. Are we ordinary folk ready to do this? Ezra, the scripture says, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon, and all the people listened attentively. Nehemiah 8, verses 2 and 3. Reading out loud engages three senses, our mouths to speak it, our ears to listen, as well as our eyes to read. Then our minds have three paths in which to be tuned in, and we may encounter an aha moment when we either listen or speak the word out loud. Now, my youngest had an aha moment the other evening that made her laugh out loud. We were watching the cooking channel, our favorite during mealtimes. I'm going to have to divert here for just a wee moment. Dorts is blessed with my father's acute hearing. I just nod when I say that even when he was in his 80s, he could hear us talking from the other end of the house. Better not be hatching something behind his back. Dortz gets distressed by noises made at the meal table. We had to have music on during lunch. Heaven help us if we had chips with our sandwiches. I told her how my brother and I had to learn how to suck our crisps and apples when we were traveling in the rear seat of the car on our way to Italy as children. Daddy couldn't bear the sound of smacking or crunching. Neither can Dortz, and she's trained herself to swallow silently and even expects everyone else to do the same. Juicy mouths, she calls it, and feels she's not being blessed but cursed. 
until I pointed out to her that when she gets old and will still she will still have good hearing. Perhaps she wasn't very impressed by that thought either. Anyway, back to the cooking channel at mealtimes. Guy Fieri visited a diner where the owner made donuts. On the final rollout, she used a cutter for the donuts and then proceeded to use a much smaller cutter for the center of the donut. She threw everything into the deep fat fryer and then she tipped them out onto a sugar surface, sizzling and delicious and all said, that's where the donut holes come from. I'd never realized that before. She started laughing so hard in her amazement. She'd never considered it, just eaten them without thinking each Saturday morning while growing up. And I thought of a few blonde friends of hers and asked her if she thought they knew where donut holes come from. Probably not, she said, holding her sides. That was a blonde moment to top all blonde moments. And I think it even surprised her. And I'm surprised. I have to go on a break, but I will be right back in just a moment. So go get another cup of tea. do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Join host Kalen Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kalen helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kalen for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kalen will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard time on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
my guest today is Adele Bussinger, a fellow blue hair for fun, nothing to do with being old, whom I was pointed to by my friend and erstwhile guest, Jessica Bowman of Bohemian Bowman fame. Adele is an unschooling military mom who has been married for 13 years, has two creative daughters and a freshly made son. She writes her own blog about education, faith, deployment, moving a lot and coping alone. She also writes for Natural Family Day and owns Homeschool Commons, where she shares free public domain sources for all who want to partake. She is busy preparing for a move with a difference and has graciously squeezed me into her hectic life. Hello, Adele. Welcome to my show. Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. <laughs> busy. Busy. Yes, I know. I, I, I hear you. And uh, you're busy in a different way to me. But we seem to have, we're the kind of family that never really just has one project on the go. We usually have four or five. And I seem to think, ah, is ever anything going to get finished? You know, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you, you know the feeling. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, let me know, tell me a little bit about your homeschooling journey and how you decided to keep your kids at home with you. Okay. Um, we Started out, my husband and I are high school sweethearts, so Mm -hmm. we got married right after high school. Um, He was already in the Marine Corps, Mm -hmm. and so um, we lived in three different states before our um, second child was born, Mm -hmm. and by the time my oldest was at about getting ready to start thinking about school, I'd already known a couple homeschoolers, families that... um, homeschooled for religious reasons. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, it was, she was four and I just decided, you know, I can teach her how to read at home. My mom Mm -hmm. did it to me when I was four. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we started from there. Um, we did kind of a trial thing, preschool and kindergarten. We're kind of, let's see how this works. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just really fit in really good with our lifestyle. Um, at that time we had our second daughter, um, was a newborn and we were, we were preparing to move across the country and it just fit with what we were doing. And it's just fit ever since then. We've just never had a reason to send our kids to school. Well, you know, that's, that, um, my parents traveled with the, um, diplomatic service and what they did, because by the time I was six, I had been to like three or four different little kind of kindergarten type schools. And then when they moved me back to England, I went to like four or five different schools before we settled down. And I thought it would have been much easier. But back then in those days, homeschooling wasn't a big thing. But what they did when they finally, when I was finally 12, was they sent me to boarding school. That was their answer to, you know, the traveling around and the moving through schools and stuff like that. So Obviously, your answer was homeschool. So tell me a little bit about how that works in the military, moving around and, you know, the, the disruption. Because every, what, couple of years, you're on the move again. Yeah, um, we've actually, we've been here. The, this is the longest place we've ever lived. And we've mm-hmm. been here for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. And that's just fascinating to some people. But <laughs> yeah. um, homeschooling, when you're homeschooling, your teacher doesn't change. Um, your curriculum doesn't change. Uh, 
you can homeschool while you're on the road. Um, when we moved from Washington to here in Kansas, we bought an RV so that we could live in it while we were looking for a home. Mm-hmm. And um, we homeschooled in the RV driving down the interstate. You know, we, mm-hmm. we had our little reading times and everything. And so um, and it, it fits with the schedule. You know, when my husband has leave, we want to spend time as a family. And that mm-hmm. means we can take a month-long or a year-long break and mm-hmm. spend it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you um, lived in an RV while you looked for a home. So do you not live on base? How does that work exactly? We actually um, bought a house here in Kansas um, because this is so close to our um, play, our hometown where we grew up that we knew we wanted to stay in Kansas for longer. Yeah. And so we actually bought a home out in town just outside of post. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we've we been kind of tended to be the kind that don't like to live in military housing. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I always thought that that would be easy. You know, you move and they, they're providing a house for you and everything, but I can fully understand that because they're probably, it's probably um, pretty sterile. Yeah. My husband doesn't like that every house looks the same. Yeah. And um, we're pretty independent people as it is. We're very, yeah. um, we're very free willed, if you would say. And mm-hmm. so we like live, we like picking our own house and mm-hmm. living and having control over where we live. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was going to say was when, when you hear that you're being moved on, do you stop the homeschool or do you carry on homeschooling while during the move? How, how do you do that? Because now you, your children are a little bit older and I know you're getting ready to make a big move. So, you know, just, just keep yeah. it going. Um, yeah, we, you know, we, um, started out very traditional. We, you know, we bought the, the curriculum and we had, I had the, the binder that set up each day what we were going to do. And, um, my oldest is, doesn't learn that way. She doesn't learn, you know, traditional math workbook. Mm -hmm. She's very hands-on, very creative, artsy, and very kinesthetic. And so, Mm We got frustrated, especially since we were going through a eight, uh, 16 month deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of did some research and relaxed a lot. And now we actually unschool. So when we do school, it's more of like, you know, just reading together and um, watching videos together and working through something together. So we absolutely do it all year round, all day, you know, every day. Yeah. And um, you said that the stability and flexibility, which I, which I can um, fully relate to, but what are some of the drawbacks of homeschooling in the military while you're traveling and moving around so much? Um. You know, the biggest drawback that I've seen, but I haven't experienced myself, is, um, you know, some families have kids that have learning disabilities or special needs. And um, a lot of the school districts that you usually go to to get help for those kind of things are mm-hmm. unwilling to work with homeschoolers. Right. Um, you have to get a recommendation. Well, here in Kansas, you have to get a recommendation and help through the school district and they are notorious for not wanting to work with homeschoolers because in Kansas homeschooling you're considered a private school mm-hmm. and so they don't like cooperating yeah. um 
couple of the other drawbacks I've seen are just sometimes it can get lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't have that immediate community connection with this is my kid's school and these are the parents of the kids that go with my mm-hmm. child. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're as a military spouse, I'm the one doing the teaching all through the deployment. I'm the one handling everything. And my kids are with me 24 mm-hmm. seven, you know, all year round. It can get, it can get tiring. Yeah. Yeah. So before you go on a deployment, are you told how long you're going to be there? Um, actually a deployment is when your husband sent to war. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's so you see, I didn't know that. Um, they, well, I mean, they used to call a deployment anytime you got shipped overseas, but okay. I consider deployment anytime your husband goes alone to war. Okay. And then, so, so what's the moving around, just the moving around in America from base to base? What's that called? It's called a PCS, a okay. permanent change of duty station. <laughs> Or, you know, you're getting into the modern times when you start to get those kinds of um, labels. Okay, so PCS, say that again. Tell us what that is again. A permanent change of duty station. Change of duty. And so are you told when you moved, like when you went to Kansas, were you told you were going to be there for two tours of duty or two for four four and a half years? Um, No, they they send you there basically as you're going to work here now until we decide you need to move or you can also request to move somewhere else. We actually requested to go to Kansas. Okay. 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 So, um, the main reason why you bought your own house was because it was closer to, um, where your family lived and where you grew up. So you thought, well, this is going to be our permanent place anyway. So we'll have a home here. So we'll buy ourselves a home here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We um, plan on retiring around here. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you've got, Special services is a difficulty. And it's, uh, do you know what, uh, for children with, with um, special needs, it's a challenge for all homeschoolers, um, you know, whether they're moving around or not. I, I suppose maybe some states are a little bit easier than other states, but I know in Texas, homeschooling is completely legal, but we are considered a private school. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't, but there are other places like Canada that can tap into anything that their public schools are doing. They're encouraged to do that. So, um, you know, and I suppose some public school systems encourage people to do that, but they're few and far between. Yeah. Well, I, I do know that the um, Department of Defense schools that they have on posts overseas, um, any, any kids that are homeschooling can participate in the activities at the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that uh, at that point, the military is looking after you. Yes. Actually, I, I've i been very pleased with the Army um, has changed some of its policies over the past few years. And it's actually in their family, like family action plan. I can't remember what it's called, but that they are there to – they neither they – neither, condone nor condemn homeschooling but they are absolutely there to support homeschoolers and they're making an effort to make a homeschooling group on every post well that's good that's good because i was going to ask you do you um associate or um commune with homeschoolers that aren't military homeschoolers in areas that you go to um yes in um washington i think we were we had a homeschool group on post but we went to a church that 
um, you know, probably 80% of the people in the church were not military, and a lot of them homeschooled, and we belonged to a group of uh, homeschoolers in the town that most of them were not military. Um, here in Kansas, um, there, our group is designed around Fort Riley. Okay, Adele, we're just going on a short break. We'll be back okay. in a moment. Okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. The IRS can and will track your income. Can you? It's time to bulletproof your taxes. Yes, bulletproof your taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. As a business owner, you know that tax deductions can lower your tax liability, but deciding which expenses are deductible and how to claim them can be confusing, frustrating, and ultimately costly when you're wrong. Former IRS audit supervisor Nellie Williams will help you learn what is deductible and when to take that deduction to avoid raising IRS red flags. She'll teach you how to survive an IRS audit so you don't have to pay more tax, interest, or penalties. Each week, Nellie will be here to teach us as entrepreneurs and small business owners how to pay our fair share and not a penny more. Check out her website, BulletproofYourTaxes.com. Then join us for Bulletproof Your Taxes with host Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm back and I'm talking to my guest, Adele Bussinger, and we're talking about homeschooling in the in the military. And she was saying that um, some of the states that she's been in, they have actually um, linked up and hooked up with um, homeschool groups that most of them weren't military homeschoolers. So I think that's that's really great because you can you can educate the public about what being in the military is like. Because, you know, a lot of us don't know. And I spoke to somebody who said, you know, reach out to your, your families that are in the military because a lot of times they are living outside the base. They're living in your neighborhoods. And um, because they're very used to um, 
being on their own and kind of fending for themselves. Is that right, Adele? You know, you kind of, you know, when you arrive in a new place, that you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've got to get your quick, yourself quickly, you know, sort of assimilated into the, into the um, local neighborhood. And you know how to do that. You're kind of pros at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you'd call us pros, but <laughs> we're, yeah, we tend to be very um, independent, you know, we, yeah. because we do have to do everything on our own. We, we live away from family and, um, my husband and I like to get hooked into, uh, like a, a church or a place of faith mm-hmm. fairly quickly. Cause that seems to be the best way to get to know the community and the people, mm-hmm. um, just being connected that way or through, or through a homeschool group. Mm-hmm. So you said that the, the, the um, military has now started making sure that there is a group or at least some kind of resources on most of their posts. Is that, is that what you said? They've been trying. Yeah. Um, we actually, on our post, we actually had a, we've had a group since I've been here and it's been there before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got there, you know, I was asked to help head up some of the activities and, mm-hmm. um, we worked really hard at organizing everything so that both military and non-military could participate. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, after a few years of working that, then the actual, uh, the school liaisons on post came to us and wanted to connect that way too to the mm-hmm. actual post, um, I don't know what you call it, the school system on post. Mm-hmm. And so they got our group name up on the website and everything. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So um, what, what would you say to new um, homeschoolers who are, are thinking about homeschooling in the military, but going, gosh, you know, if we get moved, we've got to uproot, leave all our friends, leave all our connections and start all over again. How do they start again and, and reconnect? You, you, you've already spoken about the posts. So what are other ways they can do that? Well, you know, like, well, I said, you know, like if they have, if they have a faith, they mm-hmm. can, you know, connect with people in a church or in, you know, wherever they go for their religious services. Um, you know, I really found it just easy to get to know people as a homeschooler, being out during the day and just talking to people, you know, like part, we live in a small town right now. So going to the library and talking to the children's librarian and just getting, Mm -hmm. asking them questions or, um, you know, I've, I've, I was an introvert before, <laughs> before I got married to the military, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now I've, I've taught myself that you have to put yourself out there. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to take risks and put yourself out there and, and, um, make sure your, your kids are getting that, um, community involvement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about homeschool groups, but also, you know, your kids need to be part of the community that you live in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, volunteering, at the library or, uh, talking to the veterinarian, you know, just getting involved in life. Yeah. Yeah. So your oldest is 12, is she? Yes. Yes. Your oldest is 12 and then your next one is seven and then you have a, a, a young boy. Um, so how do you, I know it's been four and a half years since you've had to do this, but you're getting ready to do this. How do you prepare to say, goodbye to all of your friends and move on. I know you're in the military and it's, you know, sort of, that's the way of life, but quite honestly, it still hurts. It's still difficult. I'll bet. 
Yeah, I think I think it hurts more for the people you're leaving behind. Yeah. I really do. Um, maybe it's just my personality, but there's kind of that emotional numbness. It's mm-hmm. not a numbness, but you just kind of cut yourself off because you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and you don't have time to basically grieve over the friendships you'll be losing until after you get to the next place. And then you think, oh, I really miss this person. Or, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. I think, too, that um, for me, God has really just shown me and told me, given me, given me this sense of peace that it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. You know, we, my husband and I look at our military service as a ministry and as a mission field. Um, we get to meet thousands of people from all over the world and they go out and meet thousands of people from all over the world. And so God just gives me this sense of peace that, okay, your time here is done. It's time to go on. And, and you know, that's why my blog is named temporary tense because we do, we're, we're temporary on this earth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you had written something about um, homeschooling in the military and when your spouse is overseas, um, deployed overseas, of course, it's going to be harder. And you wrote that you just do it. You know, how do you do it? How do you homeschool? How do you be with you? How, how do you, how are you the only one knowing that perhaps your husband's in danger? I mean, that, that must be nerve wracking in, in itself. You just do it. So that's what you're talking about a little bit about, you know, you're, you go numb, your emotions go numb. You've just got to do it. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, there is a point where you can't just do it anymore and you need help. Yeah. But for, you know, for the most part, you, it's like, you know, other people's realities are, you know, my husband has to work a horrible job that he hates or, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has a different reality that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And this is just our reality. It's all we've ever known. Yeah. I don't know about you, Adele, but my husband traveled a lot. So I was left at home and I had a full-time job as well. And I was left with four very young children and I was it for them. But when he came home, it was so difficult to let him back in. To I mean, of course, I wanted to let him back in. But it was really difficult to go from being it to having to, you know, make my decisions with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's I've been blessed that when my husband's home, I'm also I'm not like the commander in chief or anything, but um you know, he's very willing to let me handle certain things um that he knows that I do well. He trusts me with them. Mm-hmm. And so when he's gone or when he's home, he lets me handle those. But yeah, it's really hard to get back into the groove of mm-hmm. having another person dictate your yeah. time and um, interrupting with wants and needs. It's like, wait a minute, we were doing just fine when you were gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the children, I found, you know, sort of all of a sudden when, when the spouse that's been away comes home, that spouse becomes the center of their lives. And you go, hang on a minute, I was working really hard all of these months and they never, never treated me like that. Yeah, it... <laughs> It, it's a struggle for me because I know that my oldest, especially, it's not it's not intentional, but you know she has a lot of we have a lot of friction mm-hmm. um, sometimes just because I'm the one doing all of it and she really is a she's really a daddy's girl and yeah. so it's kind of a 
a resentment, but not, you know, not intentional and, mm-hmm. and you can't hold it against her, but it's mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. All right. Um, you're going with your husband away. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that and, and the reason why this is, you've not done this before, have you? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. The one, the one thing I wanted to do as a military wife was live overseas. And when my husband got out of the Marines and decided to join the army, as soon as he got in the army, his, his, um, job, they call it an MOS was shut down. And so he had to go to school and learn a different job. Mm-hmm. And we learned then that the one place I wanted to go was Germany. And we learned then that Germany was probably out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when this last year he was going to get sent to on another deployment and they decided, well, we can't take everybody with us. So you're going to go to Korea. And we found out on Thanksgiving, well, Thanksgiving weekend. And, uh, he was supposed to leave, you know, like in a few months. And so we decided not to go with him at the time. Well, after he'd been there for six months, he decided he loved it so much that he wanted to bring us over. So we're headed to Korea in two weeks. <laughs> so is that so? He's there. So he's been there for six months. Or he, well, he's been there since last May. Yeah, wow. he's been there almost a year. And we we were trying to get the paperwork and everything, and we finally got that done so that we could go and join him. Okay. So how long? Do you, any idea how much longer he's going to be there? He extended for a year, so we'll be there till May of 2014. But, you know, depending on whether we like it or not, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. He went in May. What kind of breaks does he get while he's away? I mean, do you see him or not? Um, he did. He can't. It's when he's in Korea, it's just like he's in Kansas. He get he has a normal job and he can take leave. Um, we just haven't been able to afford for him to fly back home yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, t- plane tickets aren't cheap, and he just hadn't had time to take leave. Um, but you know, he has a normal nine to five job, and he has an apartment in Seoul mm-hmm. that we're going to go live at. And so, um, it's it's a lot like what he what we would do here in kansas right so the army doesn't pay for him to come home on leave no he can he can fly um they call it space a travel you can hitch a ride on military flights but um they don't pay for you to come home on leave wow that's tough so he could be there for a couple of years and if you can't afford to go see him or have him come see you that you're out of luck yeah. Yeah. We do get to Skype a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. So you're joining him in a couple of weeks. That is so exciting. And we're getting ready to go on another break in just a few moments. So Adele, can you come back and speak to me for about another, just a quick five minutes? Do you have time? Sure. All right. So that that's really, I just want to talk more about you going to Korea and, um, you know, what you've done to prepare the children for this fantastic opportunity to see the world. Okay. All right. Right. Well, yeah. Here's the music. Good. (laughs) 
How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, Fairy Tale. Wishesinc.com and for Diana, the next big zing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true with the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Diana Cohen on Toginet.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Adele, um, I know, because I would be, you're, you're preparing your children, and I bet they're excited about going to Korea, and you have this art called the art of strewing, which I would imagine is like kind of strewing um, rose petals down an aisle in front of the bride and that kind of thing, you know, kind of just leave things around for your children to pick up and get interested in. So is yeah. that what you've been doing? Um, yeah, it's been... Um it's been about two months since we knew that we were going to go to Korea. Mm -hmm. And so I've been kind of, um, hinting, you know, here and there, we've been watching like Korean, um, dramas on TV. Um, we've been listening to some podcasts that teach basic Korean and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, uh, preparing for, you know, that whole cultural change. Cause that's going to be a shock for me too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So have you ever been outside the United States? Um, I have to say that I was, I lived in the same town until I was 18 and I went on two trips outside. I went to just over the border of Canada on a vacation and then I went in just over the border into Mexico on a mission trip and that is it. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's the best way to, to learn is to do the traveling because, you know, just you can't. 
I, I, books are good, but you just can't imagine what it's like to live in another culture until you actually go and do that. So you're going to have a great, great time. And, you know, I read somewhere that Koreans um, send out more missionaries than anywhere else in the world except America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read that too. And, you know, we have um, here on our post, we have a, a large, in our town, I guess I'd say, we have a large Korean influence. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of soldiers from the Korean War brought wives back or people have been stationed there ever since. Mm-hmm. And so we have several Korean churches in our town, two Korean markets, mm-hmm. you know, and so we actually have Korean families that come to our um, Bible club at mm-hmm. church. So, mm-hmm. um, it's been fun talking to them and kind of getting, but yeah, they're, um, I've heard, you know, very polite and, you know, I think the country's like 60% Christian. I don't, I'm not sure on that, but it's big. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's good. That's good. That'll be, um, easier to get into what be, well, it'll be a culture shock. I can, I can assure you of that, but, uh, you, you, you realize then just how much you take for granted in America. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm kind of, it's, we're kind of cheating because we've, we've talked to people that have gone over there to teach English mm-hmm. and they go over there knowing they're going to live in a country where they don't have all the anemones of home. And we're kind of cheating because we're getting it paid by the military yeah. and we have a commissary where we can get American food and yeah. we have a post that has American schools. And, you know, it's just kind of like we have a little community there where if we miss something from America, we can go buy it at the commissary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to go to the um, East Indian stores to get my English stuff. And yeah. um, I tell you, I do that on a regular basis. I've lived here for a long time, but I still can't do certain, uh, do without certain things. So. All right. Well, listen, I know you're really, really busy. So Adele, thank you so much for joining us. And you, you answered some questions and told me some things that I, I knew nothing about. So really, um, I'm going to uh, put your stuff up and your links up. And I know you said Facebook and Google are really good resources for military homeschoolers to kind of get tapped into some of their um, communities that way. So um, thank you. Anything else that you want to add before you leave? Uh, I don't know. I I just, you know, (laughs) like I think just making the, the military life an adventure and not a duty. Yeah. We try to make everything all about family and all about the life that you're actually living right now, you know? That's right. In the moment. Gosh. So you've got your house. You're going to rent it. Um, we're trying to sell it, but if it doesn't sell, we're going to have to put it up for rent. But the good thing is, is when we're done in Korea, we're coming right back here to Kansas. That's pretty much because we're going to retire here in about six years. So, um, Kansas is our number one list for places to go. So we'll be back here to take care of the house if we have to rent it. Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck. Well, I've been talking to Adele Bussinger, who talked to us about many aspects of homeschooling with the military. She outlined the benefits and struggles involved. Um, She told us a little bit about how to manage during a deployment and how to connect with other homeschool communities within the town that um, she or anyone else is living in. Adele writes a personal blog at these temporary tents about unschooling, her faith and military life. And she also writes for Natural Family Day. So go find her. 
She's a good read. And Adele, good luck with your upcoming move. Thank <laughs> I know you're, you. You're very excited, you and the children. And I wish God's blessing on you. And thank you for joining me today. Have a terrific weekend. Thank you, Vivian. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That was very, very interesting. And I hope it spurs a lot of you on to go find out more about homeschooling in the military and, you know, sort of take that take that um, plunge and, and do it. Because as she said, it's very um, stable. You've always got the same teacher, you're not moving around schools all the time. And it's flexible. And go read more about her. I've, I've got it linked on my website on Toginet. Well, last week, while I was preparing to speak to Stacy Zelmer um, about the state of the global water supply and the logistics of digging wells, handled expertly by the organization she represents, a hipster nonprofit, my filmmaker son said when he commented on my remark, but a lot of young people work with charity water. But, you know, I didn't expect to hear about leeches getting attached to the back of the throat or water being sold to the villagers. Did you? There were my two fuzzy moments of communication during our conversation due to my own visual and hard-hearted points of reference that played out some vivid scenes of parasitic activity and people going thirsty through lack of funds in my overactive mind's eye. So I strove this week to put some of those straight. We were talking about waterborne diseases, of which there are many, and quite honestly, any amount of research would put even the wildest man off drinking sparkling stream water, swimming in lakes or imbibing from the toilet bowl, that one's for the dog, without boiling the water first. She talked about parasites, and I'm imagining microscopic beings, invisible to the naked eye, until she said the word leech. Immediately, I'm watching the African queen and being treated to viewings of large leeches on the silver screen. Stacy said that they sometimes attach themselves to the back of the throat, and I'm imagining back of the neck, because surely no one would swallow a leech of any size inadvertently. Catherine Hepburn was dealing with leeches that would be more than noticeable in a quenching, albeit contaminated, glass of water, even at half the size. It wasn't until Stacy began using graphic descriptions like, prying the bloodsuckers off with a stick or swallowing diesel fuel to kill them, that I realized she meant on the back of the inside of the throat. That's exactly what she'd said, the back of the throat. My brain had just refused to process the information accurately. How would anyone accidentally swallow a leech? So off I went to my trusty internet, and sure enough, there are tiny ones in Africa, despite the monsters in the movie, and amid the murky, dirty water, any number of parasitic organisms could be swallowed. An ingested leech can latch onto the interior of the body and suck your blood from the inside. That sounds gross, doesn't it? Not very pleasant. And listening to Stacy's rendering of the home remedies used to rid the hosts of these parasites was enough to entice me to consider donating to a charitable organization striving to deliver clean water to the 800 million people in the world who don't have access to fresh, pure, clear H2O. That's why she's their school and faith liaison. And nearing the end of our little chat, I asked what happened when all the equipment and workers left the village after completing their job. Once the wells are established in the villages, Stacey explained, a committee is formed, which was interesting, comprised mostly of women and headed by a woman who may find herself in this leadership position for the very first time in her life. The committee is trained so that they can take over the responsibility for the maintenance of and water flow from the well. You know, this is important. And of course, digging a well for clean water is also important, but that's not the end of the task. 
I read a book some years ago about a man, Greg Mortensen, who was building schools in Afghanistan. Called Three Cups of Tea, in essence, it espouses the belief that when you educate women, you save the community. Think about this and take it as a seed for research in your homeschool. Read the book. Back to the now water-rich village that the organization is going to be moving on from. They leave the well in the good hands of the committee, in particular the leader, who's a woman, and she watches over the well and she sells its water. Again, my point of reference kicked in and I got it all wrong. I thought, Stacey can't mean sell, as in charge these folks for water. Surely she must mean a seller, as in a monastic who's in charge of the provisions and keeps an eye on the supplies for the monastery. I heard sell, but my brain wanted her to mean seller. My mind just wouldn't accept the concept of paying for water that was coming from a well that came up from the ground potable. I fashioned the idea into more of a custodian who ensured that the water table didn't fall too low and shuts down the well in the middle of the day for it to replenish, which is what she does. But I had to ask Stacy later what she meant by seller, and she graciously told me I'd asked a great question. And yes, indeed, the woman did charge everyone for the pleasure and privilege of drawing clean water. And then I thought, well, the NGOs don't go into third world poverty stricken countries solely to give aid for nothing because that wouldn't help the people in the long run. And I began, began to understand that really a new life has to be established if these poor nations are able to help themselves. There is a cost attached to digging a well and the village has to have a vested interest. And that's only part of the story, you see. You're sowing seeds of dignity, responsibility, and self-respect. If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach him how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. So along with the gift of clean water comes a sense of ownership, worth, self. 800 million people in the world don't have clean water to drink. It's a staggering number. And as individuals, when we give money to build a well, we give a whole lot more, like Helen in Stacey's story. Fresh, available water not only quenched her thirst, it made her feel beautiful. And I've come to the end of my show again. I mean, the time just flies by and we learned a lot today, I think. And um, I have walls to paint and bathrooms to scrub and two windows are being put in my upstairs bedrooms. So I suppose I need to go and check on that and make sure everything's going well because Hobbs is off doing other things. Anyone wants to see a good film this weekend? I doubt very much whether I'm going to have time to do anything like that. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight. And... The four children I have who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Net Radio, and my guest, Adele Bussinger. And I have to go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on